Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normia Vasquez-Scales, at your disposal. episode, Disabilities, Interpersonal Etiquette and Politically Correct Protocols. And God created mankind in his image, according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Hence, in light of this certainty, shouldn't we forego or abolish the labels? Furthermore, what is the diplomatic mode of operation for navigating through interpersonal encounters with individuals with disabilities? To assist inapprehensibly or refrain, ladies and gentlemen. Moreover, what is a preferential jargon to use within and beyond dialogues with those classified as disabled? Our featured guest, Dr. Tim Miles of the North Carolina Orange County Disability Awareness Council, joins us to illustrate his scope on the aforementioned topic. As society evolves by virtue of sophisticated technological advances, The rationale for heightened political correctness amid interpersonal communication becomes proportionately paramount. However, this is especially pertinent within the delicate realm encompassing disabilities. Hence, due to the sensitivity of this arena, it behooves of us to navigate and govern ourselves diplomatically and appropriately in this arena. Prior to plunging into the nucleus of tonight's invigorating, informative, and introspective discussion, I'd like to share my original poem titled, Dismantled, Tabling the Label. If it is written, indelibly carved, etched in petrified stone, that God created created mankind in his image, then shouldn't we zealously succumb to pardoning the labels? Indeed, labels, abrasively yet invisibly branded upon the frontal lobes of the allegedly physically contrary to archetypes synonymous with Greek Adonis personas with outstretched limbs summoning at the disposal of their impaired counterparts, gesturing with a reciprocal decline, no thank you, prior to sauntering towards their aspiring destinations to unlearn, unravel from the miseducation of fellow disabled comrades comprised of a magnifying, amplifying, blossoming demographic poised to enlighten the masses by virtue of beckoning cues void of dismal curtains. Without further ado, I introduce to you Dr. Tim Miles, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Recalibrating the Scales radio show, Dr. Miles. How are you this evening? I'm doing well, Mia. Thanks for inviting me. And it's a pleasure, pleasure having you with us and looking forward to having you having more of you on forthcoming episodes. Oh, most definitely. Well, for starters, indeed. 
For starters, Tim, uh, Dr. Miles, I should, should refer to you as, can you share with our listeners a bit about yourself and your field of expertise? Um, I'm a native of North Carolina um, with, I guess, roots kind of all over, but uh, Lenore County um, was where we all came from, and I ended up coming to UNC um, growing up um, there in the campus community. I chose the area of human communication and communication studies, um, and after completing my, my BA, uh, went for a master's in the same area, but stumbled along the area of disabilities, um, I myself being born with a visual impairment. Uh, became extremely sensitive to the um, needs of the growing population, the university for those with visual impairments and other disabilities. And after working for the university and coming into the local government, I became more impassioned about it. Uh, And that's where I found the Triangle Disability Awareness Council. Um, And there I acted as the executive director or chief executive officer in terms of operations only, building programs that help to educate professionals and individual families who encounter disabilities to live more independently and responsibly. And that's kind of my background. I see. Okay. Pretty, pretty loaded history. And aligned, oh, most certainly welcome. Aligned with the topic, what is the appropriate etiquette and or politically correct protocol for navigating through interpersonal, namely in-person, interactions with people in disabilities? Or rather, can you expound upon these from both angles, having been, been classified yourself as someone with disabilities versus someone not? Um, I, I'll try to be as brief as possible with the um, option of picking up at a later visit with you. Um, two things that come to mind very quickly is labels and language. Um, strongly, I feel that throughout the history, we as Americans go on what we, what we see, not what we know. Uh, the phrase that was coined, never read a book, never judge a book by its cover, is so, is so applicable here because a lot of times the disability will meet a person um, on the other side of the fence who's not disabled before they even meet the person. Need to be, be removed. The appropriate people first language, instead of saying a person who, uh, uh, saying a, a blind man, say a man who has blindness. It puts the person first and then the disability uh, second. So that's part, part of the appropriate etiquette um, that will be used is to see a person first um, as opposed to a person, um, a person's disability. In our world, we like to say abilities uh, to cap it all off. Um, in addition to that, we have tried to do in the disability disability community, uh, 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 I guess, a grid in the sense that we look at things from walking, seeing, hearing, and thinking, and each one of those are attached to some type of disability. Um, of some type of disability, and um, we have to um, 
make sure that people are addressing those issues according to what the needs of that person is. Um, that's how I would explain that. Again, putting people first. Um, for example, if I use blindness, um, a lot of times people think in a, in a personal sphere, you can't use words such as, oh, Tim, did you see that? Um, because they're thinking that it's going to offend me, but it's not. We use the same language that non that non-disabled people use. Uh, so it's not a bad thing to say, use normal language along the, the course of the interaction with each other. Hmm. Wow, you know, you just actually taught me something that I didn't know, because it would have never occurred right. to me. Um, you know, this goes to show you life is a work in progress. There's always something yet to be discovered. Okay. So in addition to that question, I wanted to pose, what would you say are the full cause of social in, or of social encounters with individuals with disabilities? For example, offering to assist someone with disabilities. Is this a dual-edged sword? And, and also, how can an equilibrium be attained to rectify the imbalance, imbalances entailed within the topic? If that makes any sense at all. So the do's and don'ts when having these encounters, albeit um, in person or over the or verbally over the phone, what have you, what are the do's and don'ts or what are the faux pas for such social encounters? And then if you could enlighten us as to how we could find some sort of a balance. Okay. Um, well, mm-hmm. well, first of all, in person or on the phone, it's never react when a person tells you that they're disabled. Um, I've had... Uh, situations where people say, "Oh my God, she said she couldn't she couldn't read or see anything. So what do I do?" You, you the, the non-disabled person, would act as act as that person's reader, and you would treat the interaction the same way as you would treat anybody else. If they're calling for assistance, you're going to ask their name, address, phone number, the same questions you'd ask anybody else, and you would complete the application for them. For instance. Or in our technology world, some cases you can send the, the information to them electronically through email, or you can mail it for them to sit with someone privately, especially if it's confidential. So that's, that's sort of the, the, the do's of it. So don't, like I said, don't react to them telling you that they're disabled in some kind of way. Just treat them the same way you treat anybody else. And going through the exchange, you can ask them also, how can I best assist you? And they'll tell you exactly how you can best assist them. Um, one other thing I might want to mention is sometimes when you're disabled visually um, or physically, there is what they call a, a, a assistance or sighted guide technique where you extend your the, – you, you, the non-disabled person, would extend their arm, and a person who's blind or physically challenged would grab the inner part of your arm and be escorted to the steps, the doorway, whatever they're trying, whatever they're trying to navigate, that's the appropriate uh, protocol for that. Um, and then giving them any cues of major breaks in the pathway of travel. Otherwise, they're going to stumble along the way and not feel comfortable as far as trust goes. Um, mm-hmm. Also, if they're using a cane or walker, you walk beside them and help them along the way don't tell them not to use their apparatuses or their aids, because these aids they use every day, 
when they're out navigating the, the roads that they're trying to travel. So that would be a don't. It's never tell them not to. I've seen it where um, people who are blind, the person will say, take my arm and don't use your cane. And no, the other person who's blind is using his cane to mark the territory as he, goes, as he or she goes along. And in case something happens to you, the sighted person, they won't be left without the cane and the, the ability to get a sense of where they are, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you can apply this technique to anybody you're trying to assist is to offer the arm, the arm technique uh, and then the verbal um, language you use as far as descriptions of what's in the path of travel. Um, sometimes people with disabilities may try to alter that, but if you're a professional, you will not let them alter that in the sense that some people like to hold onto your waist or hold onto the top of your shoulder. Not a good move because it's a definite don't because if you fall down, then they'll fall down. If they're holding in your arm and you have to fall, they can grab your, they, they'll, they'll be holding to your arm and they can let go and still stand still until you recover yourself. Does that kind of help with the explanation? Oh, it does. It does. And, and basically, as many examples as you can cite for us, um, for someone, you said it could be applied, from what, if I'm understanding you correctly, towards people with a multitude of disabilities. You know, it could be physical, could be otherwise. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, you're so correct, yes. yes. I think that's, the, that's, the, that's what I teach in my classes uh, for, for transit providers or healthcare professionals uh, is to use a cytokine technique. Okay. And the reason why this is so critical for me to pose that question is because my experience in some instances, not many, and the experience of, of of other trusted members of my circle where we've encountered we've, where the opposing party being the person with a disability may have, may have taken offense to us offering assistance involuntarily. So that was part of the rationale behind posing that question, just to ensure are, is it, are we doing the right thing by reaching in, as I call it, reaching in and reaching out to someone which, which, from our perspective, that may need assistance. And there's some there have been some cases where there was a negative response to that. So, any thoughts behind that particular scenario or predicament? No, you just have to assess it as you go along. Um, we are all going to be a little bit hesitant about things that are new. I think you can even extend it to the to the to the to the to the level that different religions, different cultures. Um, when we don't know these things, we react to them, and sometimes in a in a uh, in a frozen state of mind because they're so new to us. Um, but as it, if you if 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 you think about it, the most precocious and smart ones of our of our of our human about human race is the children. The children are never afraid to ask mommy and daddy, why is that man walking that way? Or why are they making those sounds or whatever? And in the past, it was usually, shh, don't, don't answer that. No. Asking the questions gives you the answers because knowledge is power. Okay. All right. I would appreciate you clarifying that. And I'm hoping that this gives additional clarity for anyone, for all of those who, who are listening out there. So, go ahead. No, I, I was waiting for your next question. 
the other question was, how is the biblical scripture that you've heard me utter twice? And God created, created mankind in his image, which is Genesis 127. How is it relevant, this episode? Not to make it a religious conversation or religious right. topic because it's quite secular, but where does that play into this? Well, to me, when I think about that just off the cuff, I think about it in terms of, again, removing labels, no labels, no males, no females, no black, no white, no green, no color, no, no colors at all. Because we're all one race, we're all equal. We may do some things differently to achieve the same goal, but we're all equal. So that's how I would immediately uh, respond to that, because we all. And if we didn't take the time out to, uh, lack of a better way of saying this, to read each other in the sense that we're kind of understanding your, your language, your language is what, as far as your profile of who you are. And one place to start is general general dialogue about who you are, meeting and greeting a person in a, in a, in a calm, rational, communal, kind way to move forward um, instead of being separate. So you always can disagree about things because you always be able to as human beings to walk forward side by side towards the common towards the common goal of getting along with each other. And like okay. I said before, we all have differences. Let's just not make let those differences make a difference. So there's only one world and there's only one race. And it's the human race. Okay. And I'd like to also get an edge wise, of course that standard question how can our listeners contact and or follow you, if you so choose? Um, yes, you can go to triangledac.org, mm-hmm. and that is our website there, and it lists uh, quite a amount of information and resources that would allow you to become more knowledgeable about the subject of disability awareness. Uh, also, it will give you a chance to sign up for a volunteer a membership or um, most importantly, to sign up for, for workshops uh, that we offer to the public, um, businesses, and individuals as well. Um, um, there my, you'll find my number and my email address as well, and I can have a private conversation with you or come to your organization uh, and speak to your, your staff uh, and as far as a training tool. Um, I'd also ask the employers to be on the lookout for uh, flyers coming to them about a how to make a how to make accommodations uh, reasonably. Workshop is coming up with some specialists that are coming from uh, across the United States to come and talk to us about that uh, because a lot of times an employee would think an accommodation is a lot of money and it's not. Um, that. The, that's one of the key things I would like to like people to know about is employment of people with disabilities based upon their abilities, not the disabilities, um, but the abilities. And if they don't know it right now, North Carolina still stands in the in the ranks of having a seventy five percent unemployment rate for people with disabilities. We want to bring that down so that more people become disabled. There's a very large youth population that needs jobs, and then again, there are people who have never had a chance to work because uh, there was a barrier of communication about what their abilities are. 
so to speak. So they're at our at our website at uh, triangle disability dot org um, is a place to find out more about disabilities and awareness and to get some training if you need it. Um, and our phone number is nine one nine two four five four three three seven. That's one way to reach out to me okay. and others associated with the organization. Well, we have some time yet um, during the episode. I would like to hear more about that, or or this is this is quite a, a loaded topic within itself, which I know we understand you and I are going to break into at least another episode. But is there anything oh, yes, that you yes. would like to drive, in addition to what you've already stated, that you'd like to drive home for the listeners? I, I guess the greatest thing I could, could bring about this subject and having have this dance myself to uh, have a disability is to say that um, I'm just like you. You're just like me. We're, 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 we're connected together because we have to live on this earth together. Um, of your, your, your experiences, the people you're associated with, and I would gather that you would find that in the scheme of things, whether it's your family, friend, or business associates, you encounter disability in some kind of way. And don't be actually as much as um, being active in trying to understand it. Um, this mm-hmm. council that I speak of, the Triangle Disability Awareness Council, um, it was started in 1977 based upon an incident that involved a city official who had just had a stroke, and she walked with a with a with, with a um, walker. And what would take you two minutes to do and walk to the bathroom, it could take her ten minutes. That's how slow she had to walk. And at that time, there was no paratransit system in uh, Chapel Hill, so most of the travel had to be done by family members or taxis. Unfortunately, the taxi drove up to her house and she called it. And she was taking so long to get to the taxi that he drove off once she got to the place where he had been parked. And so then, you know, you think about it, how cruel that sounds, and she has to walk all the way back that long way. But that movement and her insistence of going towards the public and speaking on radio and speaking to the town council made a definite move towards the city uh, making it public transportation uh, for those who could not travel on the bus having some type of paratransit. Um, but that council from then brought in all types of people from all types, from all walks of life, and they built that, our Triangle Disability Awareness Council to become what they call a mayor's committee, and it was the key resource advisors to the Orange County commissioners and each mayor of each town advised them on issues of physical access and program access. And physical access, I mean how you get into a place. Because a lot of times, uh, a lot of number of us with disabilities won't go to a place if we know we can't get in. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost as bad as saying um, back in the 60s and 50s when African-Americans had to go around back. Um, but people with disabilities are not saying I have to go around back. I just can't get in, period. Uh, so how do, how do I address that? Because if you're in a wheelchair, you can't be picked up if against the law because if they drop you, it causes further, further damage. Um, and if there's uh, no other way for uh, people to in, in, indicate how to locate them from a visual point, point of view, 
it's going to be going towards that place that there's no one there to receive you. Um, as I had mentioned earlier, once you get to the place, someone there to assist you to, as to getting in and finding the places that you need to find inside. So it's just a matter of us digging within ourselves and asking ourselves what it was me and trying to find a way to be able to accommodate everybody's needs at the same time and feel some sense of reciprocity. Then the uh, program access uh, that I spoke of here a second ago is the goods. How do you access the goods and services that a business is, offers, is offering? And that is saying, will it be in Braille? Will it be in large print? Will it be uh, someone to interpret uh, for the deaf? Those kinds of things. Um, we need to take in consideration because, like I said, any day it could be one of us that uh, experiences disability, even if it's temporary. Wow. Well, you, I'm all ears. Uh, you just basically had enlightened me of history that I was not even privy to, completely, completely unaware of. Well, I'm glad Go I was ahead. able to do that. Um, I'm glad I was able to do that and share this information because you're right. A lot of people don't know that we exist uh, until we make a, a a big bold statement. But at this point, it's so intricately web, as you said. And so many pieces to it that it'll take another conversation to go deeper into it and maybe focus on a specific area. But I think the beauty of what you brought forth was about labels and, and yes. dis- disabling the label and putting people first. Those are key to us all feeling that we have something in common and that we're not different. We're all the same. We just may do things a little bit differently. Okay. Well, that's a, a very, very sore spot, uh, as you could say, that strikes a nerve, which explains previous episodes, at least two or three episodes or so ago, when we embarked upon that very subject of labels and how that affects or impacts identity, particularly when it comes to youth. So once again, thank you immensely for driving all of these critical points home. Uh, And I look forward to having more of this conversation with you and hearing more of your dialogue, I should say, on the episodes to come. So do I, and I want to I wanna also point out, too, I hope that when we talk next, we'll talk more about the hidden disabilities, those who have ADD, um, cognitive, cognitive dysfunctioning, those types of disabilities, the ones you don't readily see, and the reaction that people take to these, and then the misguided notions or myths that they have about people who have uh, hidden disabilities. And the range of those disabilities, uh, even though I've stated a couple of them, is very vast. Some things that are not even on the books here that are happening for the invisible disabilities. Yes. The list is that list is is magnifying a light year long each day with every new term, every new label being added to the dictionary. In this case the exactly. medical dictionary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Any final thoughts? No, um, each time I go on this subject, um, no matter where I'm talking uh, talking about it, um, I get moved um, because looking at where people with disabilities once were, people may not know it, they were shut off. They were cut off and put away. Um, it, took a, it took various scenarios like Helen Keller's story or Lou Gehrig's disease and, and people of that nature to bring it to the forefront 
we shouldn't take it. It shouldn't be that we had to make it be somebody famous to make this happen, but more so that it'd be a common everyday occurrence that we talk about it and we see it and we not be afraid of it. Um, our, the time we're living now demands that we talk more and we do more to understand and help each other. Those would be my final thoughts. And I genuinely appreciate all of them. Thank you again, Dr. Tim. Stand Thank by, you. Please. Genuinely appreciative. Thank you so much. Sure. Once again, I'd like to render utmost gratitude and accolades to Dr. Tim Miles for carving time, geographic space, and expertise this episode. Moreover, I, I applaud our behind-the-scenes Team Bradley, coupled with my avid and newfound listeners, Magnifying the Globe. Once again, the Recalibrating the Scales radio show and movement rests upon your very shoulders. By all means, please follow me on Twitter Twitter and Instagram as always. Until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez Scales, signing off. (laughs) 